podcasting on a one-way track. I'm podcasting <laughs> and I'll never come back. Take it, Steve. Podcasting, podcasting, podcast. <laughs> you really picked it up and just fucking ran with it, Steve. Yeah, that man, that's a that song. <laughs> um, one of the few tapes that I owned was a single of that song. <laughs> <laughs> Soul Asylum. You're like, I've got yeah. to own that tape, Mom. Yeah, I think I got it from my brother, I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> every time I hear that song, though, it reminds me of the Always Sunny episode where they decide to go to the Grand Canyon. If you haven't seen it, it's fucking hilarious. Yes, it is. You know, nowadays when I hear that song, I think about uh, my, my good buddy, J.R., Old Jr. His uh his recent marriage to his wife Brooke there. <laughs> so apparently Brooke was telling me that her her younger brother used to always like threaten to run away from home. Like everything that would happen, he'd be like, "I'm running away," and then he'd go like climb a I'm tree. I'm out of here. Fuck this. Yeah, he would go climb a tree. Yeah, and like Brooke and her <laughs> sister would go and like stand at the base of the tree and they'd sing that song at him. <laughs> be like, "Go away, run away," which is pretty cold. <laughs> That's that is ice cold. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome, dead and lovely listeners, to your favorite horror movie review podcast in all of the known world. It's dead and lovely here with your good buddies, Uncle Ben, and who's that I got on the other end of this damn podcast call here? Well, it's Uncle Hollywood, <laughs> Steven Spratlin. <laughs> Steve, how are you doing this week out there in them Hollywood fucking hills? You been out there being fucking extra and shit? Oh, I've been extra as shit, dude. I've been, you know, like uh, smoozing, boozing, carousing. You know how I do. <laughs> You've been back there just tossing back those avocado lattes. You probably got yourself a glitter, oh, a glitter beard right now. Yeah, of course I do. I mean, listen... If you ain't got a glittered beard, you ain't got shit. <laughs> How was your uh, your Thanksgiving last week there, Steve? As we record this, this is like a scant few days after Thanksgiving. Yeah, uh, it was pretty rocking. I mean, we went uh, we went low key and made just a few dishes for just my wife and I. We made a, a chicken instead of a turkey, and it turned out fucking awesome. Now, when you say low key, it sounds like you really do mean. The god, the trickster god of Norse mythology. So you tricked uh-huh. it and didn't yeah. make a turkey. You made a chicken. Didn't make a turkey. I also tricked it and I jerked off in the mashed potatoes. <laughs> oh, you. Yeah. What? <laughs> so you made a chicken. What else did you make? Uh, mashed potatoes, gravy. Um, I think that was pretty much it. We had green beans. Um, mm-hmm. Not much else going on. We really just wanted to, because it was just the two of us. Uh, we can make it if we try. Just Aww. the two of us. She now, and I. Let, let me ask you, with your mashed potato, are you a garlic mashed potato or just straight up? Um, I prefer just straight up, but I found out that the best way to make garlic mashed potatoes is to actually um, put your, your milk on, on low mm-hmm. and then just smash some garlic and toss in like three or four cloves Mm -hmm. and let it get warm while your potatoes are boiling and then when you start mashing potatoes up you strain the garlic out so you don't have any solids in there 
Yeah, you don't have any solids. Hmm. So you get you get this awesome garlic flavor, but you don't every once in a while bite into a big chunk of garlic. Yeah, where you just get that overwhelming blast of garlic. Yeah. That's a pretty pro move. And the fat and the milk, especially if you're using a, a whole milk or a cream or half oh, yeah. and half. It'll absorb it. Exactly. Yeah. That fat absorbs yeah. that flavor. That's a pretty good call. You know, doing like a roasted garlic and then mashing that. Oh, that's perfect. That yeah. helps too, yeah, because it mellows it out. But of course, then you're talking about an extra step of prep. And who's got time for that shit anyway? Oh, man, on Thanksgiving, no one. Awesome. I'm glad you had a good time, man. I'm glad you had a good one. Yeah, we did. We uh, just sat around. Uh, we watched the newest season of Always Sunny and ate some uh, some chicken. I've heard that new season of Sunny's real good. It really is. Um, they've never dropped off at nah. any moment. It's it's always just gotten better. So way to go. Correct, Mundo. Yeah, my own Thanksgiving was pretty good. It was pretty good. We had a couple of busy days because uh, we do my wife's thing on Thursday. We do my family's thing on uh, Friday. So it's kind of a two-day affair of feasting. Um, yeah. It, it was a horrible reminder that um, my wife and I are phenomenally liberal people living in the Bible Belt amongst <laughs> Republican family that, that would much rather yeah. take the word of a scummy politician that says, I did not rape all them women and kids. Yeah. That's dumb, Steve. It's fucking dumb. It is really dumb. It is really dumb. I have family who live in Alabama who may be voting for Roy Moore. For I, pedophile. I hope not. Yeah, I hope not. I, I know them to be intelligent people, but I also do know them to be conservative. I imagine that the pedophile thing has probably turned their their belief on that, but, I, you know, I don't know. This day and age, I, I really just can't even know because... Yeah, it's hard to know. It, it's hard to know. It's just astounding to know, man. And, and this, you know, mm-hmm. this isn't like a damn political podcast, but we just like to talk about this kind of shit here, but... It just, Steve, it just blows my mind that, like, yeah, a lot of these people can't understand, and this is what I told them, like, your average politician, your average person that's like, you know who should be in power? Fucking me. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what they think. That's, they're egocentric, they're probably psychopaths yeah. that probably don't really understand other people have feelings and, and no. really probably don't even believe that most of what's happening is real. They're just out concerned of it. with themselves. And and I tried to explain They're only th- concerned with themselves. And I tried to explain it's like your average fucking politician is way scummier and filthier and more likely to be a liar than your average person. Get real. And you know, yeah. I, I I'll even say, okay, it's really easy, I guess you could say, whenever you see one of these big shit storms going on. To jump in the fray and be like, oh, yeah, me too. I'm sure that it's happened. I'm sure that it's right. I'm sure that there have been accusations flying around from people being like, this would be an easy mm-hmm. way to win a lawsuit if I jump in and say, this person went after me or whatever. Yes, I'm sure. And that was one of the points that they were trying to make. But that sure, doesn't that- change the fact that there's somebody in there that started this, um, you know, started this entire thing here that was actually, you know, raped or sexually harassed or something like that. It doesn't change mm-hmm. that fact. Yeah, and it's also, uh, it isn't true that there's much money in running forth and saying me too when we're talking about Roy Moore. If we're talking about the Weinstein thing, I could see how somebody might be like, well, he has tons of money, 
so they could sue him for tons of money. Yeah. But Roy Moore, he's moderately wealthy. Mm-hmm. They're not going to walk away with millions. I mean, no. they might get they might get some jury that will uh, assess them four million dollars, but they're never going to see that money. No, <laughs> because Roy Moore is never going to have it. It just really freaks me out, Steve, to see these people that I know that that raised me to be a certain way and to have a certain set of values and stuff, and then they turn around yeah. and vote for the person that is literally, literally the opposite of everything they raised me to be. I don't yeah, fucking I understand it, man. I don't get it. It's it's real hard. But I I generally, I mean, I deal with my wife's family, and they're all liberal. Yeah. Um, I deal with my own family, and most of my family is pretty liberal, though. You know, they're they're liberal in that way of like the way they raised me is the way they believe. So those are the people they'll vote for. Right. But of course, you know, they have their own problems with racism and sexism and things like that. Sure. Yeah. But but still, they're liberal. Like they they vote liberal. Uh, so like. I, I grew up around a lot of conservatives, and I had extended family members who were conservative. But, like, to me, it was always uh, just an understood thing in my family that, like, the idea is you want to help people. You want to be on the side of people. You want to believe people. Yeah. And, and, like, that is, like, one of the undergirding things about conservatism is you don't want to believe anybody. Don't trust yeah. anybody. Basically, they're all trying to be stone cold. <laughs> but failing. DTA, they say. Um, <laughs> but failing because stone cold's quite liberal. Yeah, he is. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, the thing is, though, that it, it it's about fear. It's about being worried. They're afraid all the time. They're yeah. in fear. And the people who they vote for, they use that against them. Absolutely. They use that paranoia and that fear and that worry to get them to vote a particular way. Well, and especially whenever they have their fucking pastors telling them to vote that way too. That, that, yeah, that's, that's disgusting to me. That, that should be, that's disgusting. That should be off the fucking market. You should not be able to prey upon people's religious practices to earn a vote. That's revolting. That's fucking disgusting. That's preying on people's weaknesses in the worst Mm -hmm. possible way. It really is. But, I mean, they, they are pastors, so <laughs> it, it's not like it's not like that is below them. Wah, That's wah, actually wah. probably 10 to 20 steps above a lot of them. Yeah, no doubt, man, no doubt. So, you know, there, there wasn't, I won't say that there was just an upright, you know, upheaval politically at the dinner table for Thanksgiving. Nobody flipped a table over anything like that, but... It's just one of those things that is just sort of a reminder of, yep, yep, people are that way. People that I'm related they to do, are yeah. okay with yeah. how things are going right now. And that's that's very sad to me. But still, you know, while that stuff wasn't going on, we enjoyed the uh, the companionship and the and the foods and the wines and all the other good stuff. So it could have yeah. it could have been much, much, much worse. Obviously, yeah. I mean, you know, there are families that uh, have much bigger problems on Thanksgiving than just arguing politics. So, yeah, that's, that's fun. That's yeah. a fun time with family, right? <laughs> so it wasn't too bad at all, man. And then my wife baked me my own personal pumpkin pie, which is residing in the refrigerator right now. And I'm going to have a slice after we're done because it's best. Is that, was that 
all sexual innuendo. Your wife made you a delicious pumpkin pie that's now in the refrigerator. Yeah, that's exactly like, right. That's exactly right. She's cool. right. she's cooling down. You know what I mean? Oh no! But then you're gonna get a slice whenever we're done. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> so in the meantime, now that we're done with old Turkey Day and we're in the the December season here, have you been watching anything cool recently? Yeah, I. So I've put this off for a long time because I have tried and tried to watch the pilot episode and I just could not get through it. Mm. But I finally forced myself through it and found out I love this show. It's Trailer Park Boys. Okay, now, okay, so you're on board with it, huh? It's so fucking funny. And it is the inspiration of so many shows that I have thought are hilarious for years and didn't realize oh they're they're like mimicking trailer park boys really yeah always sunny is almost 100 percent mimicking trailer park boys for the first few seasons did trailer park boys start significantly before sunny yeah 1999 whoa i didn't know that show was yeah. that old it actually started before the british office which i i the british office can't possibly be inspired by it but it's it's got a lot of similarities now see that kind of changes things because i watched the first maybe episode or two of that show a couple of years ago with some friends who were telling me how fucking great it is and how hysterical it was and all this stuff yeah and i watched the i watched the first few episodes and i didn't find myself like completely laughing out loud about it but then at the same time i also thought that this was a show that just started like two or three years ago i didn't know that it was that old no no it's yeah 1999 wow. it's way ahead of its time and also like you got to get through that first season it's like for any friday night lights fans out there you got to get through the second season to see the awesomeness mm-hmm. like you got to get through the first season but like i don't recommend skipping it because like there's so many callbacks to the first season okay. that keep happening throughout the series um, but the first season is like, there's just, it's so much almost set up despite the fact that so much of it is improv and things like that. There's so much of this setup going on that really starts paying off as you get to the end of the first season and the beginning of the second season and on like the show's been on, I think 11 seasons. So Damn, pretty great. that's pretty awesome, man. I'm I'm amazed by like just because I I have done that several times where I've tried to start watching this show because I've heard so much good about it and it really is tough to get through those first few episodes. Wow. Well, I'll definitely have to give it a shot, man. Because uh, I'm I'm with you. It's like everybody's told me how fucking good it is and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I recommend it for sure. Right on, man. Anything else you've been watching? Uh, not that I can think of. I've been watching football. Oh, footballing. Oh, football. Yeah. Um, uh, I saw a man on Thanksgiving. I saw a man's leg uh, break in half. ECW. That was, ECW. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> it was hardcore as fuck. He didn't finish the match, though. So that's not ECW. Yeah, that's pretty. Terry Funk would not fucking approve of that. Yeah, Terry Funk would have been like, fuck that. I'll walk on this stump. Yeah, put some duct tape around it and deal with it. <laughs> that's Sabu right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Damn that's right. That's exactly that Sabu. Sabu. That's my uh-huh. guy, man. Dude, we've been, um, you know, since, uh, since we last talked, you know, the night of Thanksgiving, we sat down to watch planes, trains, and automobiles. 
awesome. Which is really good. And you know, for some reason this year when we watched it, it especially stuck out to me how how sad that movie is in a lot of ways too. It's extremely sad. I know. But his wife is dead. I know, like, yeah. It's a very sad movie, yeah. And then also too, like Steve Martin is this super cynical fucking asshole. It's like He's got this beautiful family, this big home and all that stuff, obviously well off, but man, he is a hard ass the entire movie, just very resentful and shit the entire time. Um, For some reason, that kind of stuck out to me this year, and I'm not exactly certain why, Um, but Hmm. I did notice that especially more this year, so we watched that, which is, again, just a fantastic, a fantastic movie. You can watch it for for the hilarity and for the depth of character involved and then the other night we also began anew a holiday tradition that i find to be extremely special in my heart which is to say that every year i like to watch the extended edition lord of the rings fucking trilogy hell yeah that's a great tradition i might start that one myself it's the best and i think it's because whenever they came out in theaters it was around christmas every year whenever they were in theaters yeah right? mm-hmm. and so yeah, I, I believe so i just kind of associate this time of year with that because i remember seeing those in theaters for the first time with my wife and her family and just being fucking blown away it was like this is the fantasy movie that i've always wanted to see this right here yeah so, yeah, it's awesome. Man, every year I'll watch those. I, I still am just in awe of them. And they're starting to show their age a little bit. And honestly, I think yeah. that it was just probably maybe last year or the year before, whenever I was watching them, I started noticing like, oh, that doesn't look great. You know, just certain little yeah, certain little things. Small especially, things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially in like the first one. Um, you get mm-hmm. a little bit of that millennial rubber effect when Legolas is like fighting that troll in the uh, yeah uh huh for sure yeah so you get little things like that that aren't aging particularly well but I just don't really fucking care they're they're such an incredible accomplishment no they don't bother me they're so well done and um my wife I've actually been rewatching Stranger Things season two because I'm getting my wife to watch it nice um she liking by it? getting. Yeah, she's loving it. By getting, I'm saying, I I was like, hey, you want to watch this? And she was like, yeah. (laughs) Um, But every time I, like, because one, Sean Astin is fucking awesome in Stranger Things season two. Oh, I know. But like, but like watching it again, I see him more and more like they were playing him as Samwise throughout the season. Like he plays this really like, uh, matter-of-fact character who yep. doesn't blink at any of the insanity going on in front of him. He right. just sort of like accepts it and is there to help. Pretty like much. exactly like Samwise. It's it's pretty awesome. It is, man. It is. It's interesting too seeing, you know, a lot of these actors and stuff like Vigo and like uh, Orlando Bloom and stuff, and you realize like. Uh-huh how fucking young they look and how older they look oh now. Oh my God. I watch it yeah. and I go like, man, what do I look like now compared to when I saw this in the theater? Fuck. I was a little bitty baby when I saw it in the theater. Yeah. Yeah. I know, man. I know. But it's it's really, really awesome to sit back and watch those flicks every year. I, I could gush on and on and on about them because I love basically every element of them. The aesthetic, the fucking soundtrack yeah. stuff. 
Everything. Yeah. Everything. They're perfect movies. Lord of the Rings. Fucking awesome. In case you haven't seen them, watch them, and then watch the extended editions, and then don't watch The Hobbit. Yeah, and then don't watch The Hobbit. That's the real yeah. pro move of the entire operation. Skip the fucking Hobbit flicks. God damn. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been stabbed in the heart so hard by a filmmaker. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Other than that. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, really, it's like they just announced recently that they're going to be doing this uh, kind of Lord of the Rings universe uh, Yeah, series. Amazon show. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I was so conflicted because Kate told me about that. And I was like, my first question in my head that immediately popped up was, is Peter Jackson involved? And then that was followed by, I hope Peter Jackson's not involved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's perfect. Exactly. Like, I want to see a new take. I want to see something new. That's exactly like we... Maybe talked about this before, but like uh, remakes, of course, are annoying from time to time, especially when they happen just a few years within the last one oh, or yeah. whatever. But big titles like, say, for instance, The Wizard of Oz, mm -hmm. The Wizard of Oz was done and redone and redone uh, by the time we had the Wizard of Oz that we see today as the Wizard of Oz movie. Sure. Um, the same with uh, movies like, you know, uh, Alice in Wonderland, uh, Frankenstein. The first Frankenstein movie was 1910. Like, we've seen these stories done and redone over and over and over, but, like, sometimes you really can improve on what happened before. And sometimes, maybe... Uh, serializing it and turning it into a TV show gives you the opportunity to include all of the sprawling characters of Tolkien's thousand-page-long books. Yeah, totally. So, uh, yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I would love to see it again. I'd like to see it go further in depth. I'm fine with it. Because we still have the Peter Jackson movies. Yeah, they don't go away. We don't have away. to compare. Yeah. yeah, we don't have to compare. We have them. And from what I understand, the series is going to be kind of a kind of a prequel kind of scenario where it's going to be a lot of tales from... Uh, the Cimmerillion? Yeah, exactly. And kind of the history yeah. of Middle Earth and stuff like that. So hopefully we'll also see some new territory uncovered which of course they tried to bring some of those Silmarillion elements into the Hobbit um with the, yeah. the necromancer storyline and all that shit but god damn those movies were horrible uh, yeah I didn't mind the first two too bad the first one seemed fine to me but it was over long which is not something I uh, it would say even about the extended uh editions of the no, Lord of the Rings huh. movies but uh, the second one was a little ridiculous. And then the third one I uh, turned off after about 20 minutes because I thought it was so bad. I'll tell you what, it did not get better. Did you ever finish it? No, I haven't. Shit. I mean, I know what happens yeah. in the story, so <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't feel that drive to finish it. Right on, man. Well, I would recommend not watching it sometime. <laughs> but I, I do recommend watching the trilogy, you know, during the holidays. That's always a good... Oh, absolutely. It's always a good treat for me. So we just finished the first one tonight. We're going to start the uh, Two Towers, I'm sure, sometime soon this week, too. So I'm always excited about awesome. that. I'm also excited to spend... This evening, Steve, talking with you about the subject of our show today, which is none other than Shaun of the Dead from the year 2004, uh, four. Uh, uh -huh. which is a fucking awesome movie that I love so much. This was your surprise yeah. pick for the month. What made you pick this flick, Steve? 
It's an amazing fucking movie. Like, true story. I have so much to say about this movie, and like, it's it's gonna be hard to condense it down and not get too overlong. So just cut me off if you need to, because this is not only an amazing achievement in directing and writing. Uh, it's an amazing achievement in horror overall. Yeah, and in zombie movies it's so fucking good i totally agree man and this is also kind of a historic first for our show is this is the first uh kind of horror comedy flick that we've ever covered on our show yeah, yeah and i was a little worried about that until i rewatched it and i realized like the comedy is secondary to this this is a dramatic horror movie yeah absolutely so and it's not alone in the field of horror comedy flicks that's kind of been a long-standing tradition even if you go back to yeah. you know the toxic uh toxic crusader and shit like that there's been toxic avenger yeah there you go there's been horror comedies for a really long time so before we start getting into our review and thoughts about this flick Steve, I'd like to spend a little bit of time here compiling a list of let's say a top six which means a three apiece of our favorite horror comedies here for our dead and lovely listeners. Do you think that's something that you could conjure up on hand here? If I, you know what, if I concentrate real hard, I'll probably be able to read what I wrote down on this piece of paper in front of me. So yes. <laughs> you want to kick us off? Yeah. And I, I want to do these in no particular order Fine. for a particular reason. Okay. But I'm going to start with Slither by James Gunn. Oh, damn. That is an awesome flick. I would love to cover that on our show sometime. Absolutely. 100%. It, everything about it is awesome. So fun. Love the effects. Love uh, <laughs> Michael Rooker. I love uh, everything that happens in that movie is just so much fun and a great, like, gross horror movie it's a disgusting body horror kind of flick yeah. about alien kind of insect slug things right uh -huh. yeah it is like insect sluggy type of things that infect the body and sort of take over but like they also start to mutate the body and turn it into these weird gross creatures so it's it's full of humor though yeah. i mean <laughs> oh yeah it definitely does handle all that stuff with a good a good bit of humor in there. Some of it is very like Cronenberg, like the body horror shit in there is very yes. Cronenberg-y. Yeah, has a lot of that going. Some of it is fucking revolting. Disgusting, man. Yes. Oh. Some of it is really fucking gross. That scene where Michael Rooker is like, I think he's about to like bang that chick, but then that thing like pops out of, her, out of his chest and stuff. Yeah. Oh. Actually... I picked this because I was thinking of taking a trauma movie. I really, because like Toxic Avenger yeah. and, you know, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, are, there are millions of trauma Tromeo movies you can talk about. Tromeo and Juliet would have been my pick. Uh, but what I thought was when I, I went back and thought about the humor in those movies, the humor is kind of like, haha, isn't it funny we're making a movie this weird? Yeah. Whereas Slither it's a well-written comedic film that still has that over-the-top isn't it funny we made this movie mm -hmm. type of feel to it so like i really love it great movie that's a great choice man that's definitely one that i would like to cover on our on our show sometime so we'll definitely cover that at some point now my first choice that i have in no particular order uh-huh speaking of uh speaking of a favorite new zealander kiwi 
director, Peter uh-huh. Jackson, he happened to direct a little flick some years ago that, yeah. that has a long time been touted as the, the goriest flick of all time. And uh, it is indeed a revolting and disgusting movie, but it is <laughs> fucking hilarious. I'm talking about old Dead Alive. You've seen that, haven't you? Hell yes, I've seen Dead Alive. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, and really gross. It's super gross. It also has some real ridiculous moments like the Kung Fu priest and stuff like that. Yeah, the guy who's like a secret Nazi the whole time and stuff. Yeah. What the fuck? (laughs) And like anybody that has seen this movie and remembers how disgusting it is, all you got to say is the dinner scene and you're like, oh. Oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) It's a ridiculous movie and it's full of that kind of... I don't know, man. There's something about like Aussie and New Zealander humor that is very particular and it's very strange and it's hard to describe. I until, love it. Yeah, yeah, I do too. It's hard to describe yeah. until you see it and you're like, this has that nutty, weird New uh-huh. Zealander thing. And actually, even some of the Lord of the Rings stuff has that too in some of its more comedic moments too. Yeah. I mean, I highly recommend anyone watch Flight of the Concords, of course, oh, if you've never. Yeah. It's on HBO Go. But also, there is um, a show called The Strange Calls, which is an Australian show. Really funny. It's on Netflix. And uh, Tall Poppies, which is also on Netflix. Hmm. It stars the guy who plays Murray in Flight of the Concords. Oh, okay. Nice. The manager guy? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I get that type of humor. And, you know, uh, we might talk about it a little bit more further on in this list oh, okay right? all right what do you got all next right. on your list here steve uh, next on my list is army of darkness oh. by hmm. samuel Raimi. that is a quality quality flick this is my boomstick mm-hmm. this is my boomstick yeah that movie is super duper awesome I've uh, talked about it before when we did the evil dead episode mm-hmm. yep. that I had recently watched it then it's like I had seen it a ton of times growing up, but watching it again as a, a full-on adult, it all just hit me. Just one, how fucking hilarious that movie yeah. is! How great Bruce Campbell is throughout it. Um, but two, how much it was like uh, the Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers. I remember you saying that, like with the Urukai yeah. birth and all that shit. And yeah, and I think before you watch The Two Towers, you should watch Army of Darkness and then watch Two Towers and just see what I'm talking about. Challenge it's, accepted. It's, it's absolutely going to blow your mind because I, I think Sam Raimi was like, let's do Two Towers. It'll be awesome. <laughs> That's one of those things I would really love to hear Sam Raimi's thoughts about because whenever Evil Dead came out, it, it kind of... I don't really know if they meant for it to be funny, but there's funny elements in it. And yeah, I I think there was some humor intentionally thrown in okay. in the first one, yeah. But mostly it's it's not as humorous as the other two. Yeah, because then like whenever Evil Dead 2 came out, you can tell they really were like, oh, okay, people think this is funny. So they uh-huh. really yeah. ran with it in a ridiculous way. And then they went even yeah. further with Army of Darkness. Yeah, I think, I mean, because when we talked about it a lot with the Evil Dead episode, like uh, how much time they spent with just Bruce Campbell at the end and like 
how they they spent a whole lot of time doing shoots and reshoots just trying to you know make the whole story come together right i think once they edited that all together and they saw first off all the time with bruce campbell alone they realized one some of this is pretty funny and two bruce can really carry being the only person in the movie for a while and so then you get evil dead 2 yeah where he's like the only character for the majority of the fucking movie yeah exactly so like i i think once they edited it together and saw what they came up with they were like oh well yeah i can think of an obvious way to make this sequel and make it funny nice yeah army of darkness dude it's been so long since i have watched that 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 does kind of give me a craving to to sit down and, and check that one out again so good recommendation i'll check that one out next time i feel Hell like yeah. watching myself a good funny scary flick such as my next pick on my list which is cabin in the woods hell yeah and it might be a little bit of a stretch to call that a, a horror comedy because it does kind of get a little bit more real towards the end of the flick but there is so much levity and humor throughout that flick from start to bottom yeah. especially if you're a fan of horror flicks i feel like cabin in the woods um, kind of similar to our to our pick today, Shaun of the Dead. It is a it is a horror movie for horror movie fans. Absolutely. Yeah, the fact that it gets a little more serious near the end is, I don't think takes it out of contention because this movie, Shaun of the Dead, does the same thing. It so does. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I think it's perfect because it is it is throughout no matter what it's a satire of horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and also a satire of of uh, the love of reality TV because yeah. what you have is you know the people viewing all these different killings and things like that like it, it is an entertainment in itself so like it's satire no matter what it's it's a comedy I'll, uh, I'll love and that it's flick. an awesome horror movie <laughs> yeah it is dude I really love that flick and I also love too how even they tie it into it you know. Like you said, the kind of reality uh, TV sort of element of the flick and with them having to do these sacrifices and stuff, it all brings it back to how, you know, all horror and all horror tribute or, or all horror stories and stuff like this are all just a tribute to fucking H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, to, yeah. to the old ones, to the ancient ones and yeah, shit. They even the ancient that ones, verbiage. yeah. yeah. Uh, I really love that about the movie. And of course, if you're watching with a close eye, you'll see so many tributes to other classic horror flicks and stuff yeah i really dig that one there's some really funny shit in there some great casting great looking movie too if you've not seen cabin in the woods definitely go check it out because i remember oh 100 yeah, yeah. I, I remember whenever we saw that i'd seen previews for it and i was just like whatever it's a horror movie i want to go see it uh because in the previews they didn't really advertise that it was kind of this self-aware you know horror movie for horror movie fans kind of thing and uh we went to the theater and we sat down and like as soon as the movie starts and you get the two guys you know in the base and they're just bullshitting and and talking about their fucking cabinets and stuff like this and then the big cabin in the woods title screen pops up we pretty yeah yeah, we pretty much just looked at each other and we're like yeah this is not a typical horror movie this is much different than what they were advertising this as you could easily go wrong after that point, but it immediately grabs your attention. It's like, okay, what's this is interesting. What is going on here? Yeah. Like, and luckily it doesn't go wrong at all. It's just fucking awesome throughout. And you get Chris Hemsworth being uh, funny, which is always fun. Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah, man. Definitely a great flick. If you've not checked that one out, definitely do give Cabin in the Woods a, a spin. What, would, what else would you recommend these wonderful people give a spin, Steve? Well, Ben, you probably didn't expect this, but I'm going to go ahead and straight out of my hand, pull out a Uno reverse on you. <gasps> what do you got next? Oh, shit. All right. Yeah. You want to whip one out on you? Yeah, go for it. I'm going to go ahead and dump one on you here, a little flick called What We Do in the Shadows, which is one that we've talked about during our No Vampire oh, Month shit. of Vampire podcast, because What We Do in the Shadows yeah. is a it's a vampire flick. It is a horror comedy, kind of light on the horror element, I guess I would say. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's mostly comedy. It's kind of a, uh, for those of you guys who haven't heard us gush about how great it is, it's kind of a mockumentary style like Christopher Guest, you know, Spinal Tap or Best in Show kind of flick, only it's about this uh, group of vampires that's living together in an apartment and what their personal lives are like and how they feed and their quarrels with uh, werewolves and all kinds of other shit. (laughs) Fuck, it is so, so good. It is one of the best vampire movies ever made because it really ties together all of vampire lore from different movies and books and so on. Mm Mm-hmm. And it all makes them work together in a universe together. And it's written by Jermaine Clement of Flight of the Concords, that show I mentioned earlier. True. And directed by Taika Waititi, who is the director of Thor Ragnarok. Boom. Connections. Uh-huh. Oh, and also they're both uh, from New Zealand. So there's that Kiwi humor we were talking about earlier. That's very, very true, man. That's very true. It's a great flick. We've gushed about it, and I'm glad that we have because since then I've seen several people on our Facebook and Instagram groups be like, man, since you guys talked about that flick, I went and watched it, and it was the shit. Yeah. Listen, if anybody is listening to this episode specifically because of Shaun of the Dead, go watch what we do in the shadows because it's so fucking funny it's so good yeah it's such a great movie yeah th- that movie is to vampire flicks what Shaun of the dead is to zombie flicks yes which is to it's say exactly it it's a mm-hmm. humorous fun take on it that's great for fans of the genre yeah. but it's also one of the most shining examples of that genre ever made yes exactly like the comedy just complements how well thought out it is and how well done it is abs a flogging lootly so definitely <laughs> check out what we do in the shadows see what you got next on your shit list here well ben i wrote this one down and then when i went to you know find out who's the director of this and look it up a little bit i found out two things one i have an apology from last week i have to extend to someone Uh-oh. and two the movie I'm about to name is a direct influence on Edgar Wright. Oh. He has named it specifically American Werewolf in London. Oh, you know what? That's a pretty good pull because that does have some some comedic elements to it. I don't really think of that immediately as like a horror comedy, but it's funny, isn't it? It is. It's got a lot of comedic elements to it. And in fact, it the comedic elements worked a lot, a lot of times to not only satirize um, werewolf mo- movies, but to where satirize horror movies in general. And it would often undercut the horror a bit. Now, the reason I have an apology from last week is this movie was directed by John Landis, 
director of Animal House and Blues Brothers, which I <laughs> shat on you last shit week. Pretty good. Oh man, I dropped the greasiest deuce on them last week. He directed that movie. He did. He directed American Werewolf in London. What? It's uh, one of the better werewolf movies. I wouldn't say it's the best. I'm sure some would argue it might be the best, but I wouldn't say that. I might. Um, What's, what is the best, if not that? You know, I, um, I'm a huge fan of Wolf Cop, and I'm not pretending that it's not campy. But I do think it's one of the best werewolf movies ever made. Man, I never watched it, but I really wanted to because it looked real silly. It's so fucking awesome. Wolf Cop is great. I also like a movie called Late Phases. I think it's... I um, oh, man. It's an uh, indie horror movie. I think it's on Netflix. Uh, big fan of it. I thought it did something with werewolves that had never been done, and I think it... It really brings something new. But American Werewolf in London is fucking awesome. Shit, yeah, it is, man. And Rick Baker's special effects makeup and stuff in that has really yet to be beaten. That has the best werewolf transformation practical effect sequences ever in it, man. And there's so much shit in that movie, too, that, like, I always forget about that is so surreal and strange. Like his, like, you know, decomposing buddy that keeps... Yeah, that he's taught. Yeah, he keeps having conversations with his dead friend. Yeah, yeah, who shows up as a decomposing body, and yeah, it's it. There's a lot of weirdness in that that film, but it it also follows great werewolf traditions. Yep, it does, and is genuinely funny. And dude, how about that fucking scene where like the werewolf like Nazi soldiers like <laughs> bust into his house and shit like. I always yeah. forget about that, and you go, "What movie am I watching right now? Like, did this just slip into something else entirely?" Yeah, it's it's pretty insane. Now, I will say it is most likely that in the next few years, when Taika Waititi's and Jemaine Clement's sequel to What We Do in the Shadows, We're Wolves, God, comes out, I'm so excited. That'll probably be the best uh, werewolf comedy. They really will. I mean, if it's anywhere close to the level of what we do in the shadows, it's going to be fucking amazing. So I cannot wait to see that. Steve, that's a pretty good list, I think, that we compiled here. Yeah, we kicked ass. I'm pretty sure that we did. Do you think that we just remained the fucking podcast champs? Um, Name one fucking challenger. Point me to the person I have to prove it to. I'd like to put Rick it out there to the fucking Legion of Doom to put out a fucking oh, list bring as good it, as Legion that. of Doom. Wear your awesome fucking shoulder pads. Put your your face paint on. Let's go. We just done laid it to him, Steve. <laughs> well, the main topic of our show today is going to be Shaun of the Dead, which is. Just a fucking great movie and a great choice by Steve. Now, Steve, is this the first time that you've seen this flick? I assume not. Oh, no. I just saw the title and thought it was funny. Oh, yeah? It's like Dawn of the Dead, but it's not. Oh, I just got that. Oh, man. No, I've I've seen this a lot of times. <laughs> uh, this was a movie I talked about a lot in my uh, class. I've talked about that I taught that was on the undead. Taught it at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville. Too. Yep. (laughs) They made headlines this week, but not the way you want to. Not the good way. (laughs) Yeah. So you you spent some time talking about this in your class, huh? 
Yeah, and th this movie has a special place in the history of the zombie movie. Mm -hmm. Now, 28 Days Later sort of restarted the zombie craze. Now, a lot of people out there will say, yeah, but they weren't zombies. I understand. They weren't. They were infected with a virus. They had that they rage. They were zombies. But it's a zombie movie. Yeah, like, come on. You can... Yeah, what, like, are we going to argue that they're infected movies and zombie movies? No, they're zombies. Sure. The, they're, in a sense, undead because their bodies are working independent of their own desires. So they're undead. Yeah. 28 Days Later was in November of 2002. Now, in October of 2003, the first issue of The Walking Dead came out. Mm-hmm. The Walking Dead opens with a 28 days later type of opening where Rick is in the hospital, he wakes up, and the hospital is empty. Right. Um, but The Walking Dead beyond that follows the Romero zombie style where you have these undead people who die and then, you know, rise back up, but they move slowly. They want to eat, not necessarily brains, they just want to eat. And the thing they want to eat is other humans. Right. Uh, probably just because they're the closest thing to eat because in The Walking Dead we see them eat other things uh, so not sure how the zombie rules work entirely there but mostly they just want to eat the nearest thing that's warm hmm. now then we had the Dawn of the Dead remake by Zack Snyder which is good I'm a big fan I recall thinking it was pretty good I want to say I just saw it like once but I recall it being pretty fun it's good, but it, it uses the 28 Days Later zombies, so they're fast zombies. Right. But as we talked about on the Night of the Living Dead episode, in the first, in Night of the Living Dead, the Romero zombie runs sometimes and uses tools. So it's not a stretch. It's not like Zack Snyder was, you know, destroying the Romero vision. Right. Romero, basically, the idea was when they first come out of the grave, they might still have some spryness. They might still have some energy or brain power. But as time goes on, they get slower. Mm -hmm. So with that Dawn of the Dead remake, the same month, Shaun of the Dead premiered in London. So Shaun of the Dead is working specifically off of the Romero zombie style and a parody of the Dawn of the Dead title. So within a few weeks of each other, we have a Dawn of the Dead remake and a Shaun of the Dead movie. The Dawn of the Dead remake basically, I mean, I'm not, I, again, I said I'm a fan of it, but it's basically capitalizing on 28 Days Later. Sure. It, it uses elements from the original Dawn of the Dead, but in a lot of ways, it's just capitalizing on 28 Days Later. Shaun of the Dead is a well-considered, well-thought-out drama about people who get forced into a zombie scenario, which is more like The Walking Dead. Yeah. But it's definitely built off of all the Romero movies. Like, that's what it's going for. Yeah, absolutely so. Absolutely and so. And it's amazing. And it's, of course, directed and uh, written by old Edgar Wright. Yeah, Edgar Wright, who he... Basically, he and, uh, and Simon Pegg came together on a show called Asylum. Uh, Simon Pegg has worked 
for a long time, I guess you could say with uh, the woman who plays Yvonne in this, whose oh, really? name is now, yeah, whose name is now Jessica Hines. I uh, can't remember her name before. Anyway, she was on Asylum with him and worked as a writer on Asylum. And then they made a show with Edgar Wright called Spaced. I've heard that that's awesome and I've never watched it. Great show also came out in 1999 and also will blow your mind at how like ahead of its time it is. Damn. But in, among British comedies, it was pretty, I guess, pretty similar to a wa- lot that was coming out. But uh, Edgar Wright's directing style is pretty apparent in most episodes. What happened is they made this episode. It was the third episode of Spaced where Simon Pegg's character, Tim, gets some speed from some dudes and then he takes it and he plays Resident Evil 2 all night and then starts hallucinating that he's in a zombie apocalypse. No kidding. Seriously, that was like the seed that yeah. started this. Yeah, and and so they, they liked the idea mm. and they got together and they wrote a zombie movie. That rules. Also, Resident Evil 2 is the shit. Yes, it is. I mean, if you go back and play it, now it's probably terrible no but... no no it's the shit oh it's still the shit still okay. the shit you know what i love amphetamine yeah <laughs> so we both got something out of that yeah, story there we go man very good i didn't know that that's how this started so they just did an episode of their show and they were like let's make a zombie fucking movie yeah and cool. they like the one thing they really bonded over about it was their love for romero so you see that throughout this is that this is very much an homage to romero um horror or romero uh zombie movies yeah but what you also get from this is edgar wright's directing style which utilizes uh, he he is unabashedly uh a borrower he loves you know using shots from sci-fi and horror and fantasy um in whatever he does so when he's dealing with a comedy you still get these great kinetic shots of a lot of sort of action going on Mm -hmm. and he he's able to move all that into these extremely well-written scripts and i'm only going to talk about the cornetto trilogy and it's it's called that any of our uh English listeners will know what Cornetto is, but... Um, oh, yeah, because we got all kinds of them fucking motherfucking damn red coat listeners out there, according to our stats. You know, the one of the insults that was thrown at them was that they were lobsters. You damn lobsters, we know you're listening to us. And now, see, nowadays, that's like, oh, yeah, lobster, that's a, a succulent dish that costs a lot of money. But back then, it was like, basically... <laughs> They're delicious. Yeah, it was basically like calling someone a cockroach because people were so disgusted <laughs> by lobster. Yeah. How dumb were people? Did, did they not know to fucking cover it in butter? God oh, damn. Look, it up, look up the history of lobster, and one of the things you'll discover is that there were uh, slave revolts in the Northeast because they were tired of eating lobster every day for for lunch. That's incredible. Holy fuck. Yeah. Wow. Well, hello to our lovely dead and British, dead in London listeners out there. Dead in London. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, Cornetto is a, a type of ice cream. Okay. Just a cheap little ice cream thing. Uh, and they, 
basically what happened was there's uh, the quick joke, not even a joke, it's just a, they talk about a Cornetto. Uh, Ed tells Sean to get him a Cornetto at the store, yeah. and he does. Um, and then it comes back in Hot Fuzz, and then it comes back again in uh, The World's End, and basically Edgar Wright said that it, it, those three movies are supposed to be a trilogy, and he jokingly called it the Cornetto trilogy because they reference Cornetto in each of them. Uh, but That's it is awesome. he he was being serious. It is supposed to be a trilogy, and there is like a, an overarching theme. And I would say that theme just you know from watching and taking notes and and really paying attention is growing up. Yeah, very the much. Theme so. is, yeah, yeah. Like this this entire movie is about growing up and uh putting away childishness and putting away that voice in your head that says hey let's just sit and play video games or hey let's just relax and drink like yeah the voice that constantly is telling you like it doesn't matter it'll all work out it's fine how do you feel about those other movies in the trilogy like hot fuzz and uh world's end the world's end um i like them both i like the world's end a lot i thought it was really interesting and weird hot fuzz is really funny though i love hot fuzz so much man i've only seen world's end once and i really enjoyed it but i've watched hot fuzz a million times i love that movie i think that it's fucking yeah. awesome and it's interesting too because like that flick you know it's kind of a the same way this is a take on zombie movies, Hot Fuzz is very much a take on buddy cop movies like Lethal Weapon and shit yeah. like that. But it's actually got a lot of really brutal like horror gore in it shit and shit like that too. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, that does kind of tie all of them together is that there's a lot of brutal death. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I love I love both of those other flicks too, man. Sean is probably probably the best. I went through a phase where I think I liked Hot Fuzz more actually. Um, but I think I'm kind of back to being like, yeah, Shaun of the Dead is definitely the, the king of that trilogy. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's, I think it's the best of the three, but I think they all three have so much going on. And like the way that when Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg get together to write a movie, the, it seems like any particular scene character line or event has an analog later in the movie yes dude there is always payoff to the foreshadowing there's always there's always a a foil to the main character there's always something to re uh examine there's always like a, a line that makes more sense suddenly yeah dude it's it's great like the the thing is like you can make a low-budget horror movie with a script that is just like, oh, I'm scared of zombies. Oh, let's hide from these zombies. Like, and and people will still go see it. Oh, yeah. But this is, this is a script that was, like, agonized over and poured over and, like, really overthought from time to time. But it never... It never comes off as stilted. It never comes no, off as overworked over, or anything. Overworked, yeah. It's always just like perfect. And it, 
it's simple stuff like how you know like early on he says to the roommate he says next time i see you you're dead and then he literally comes back as yeah a next time he sees him he's dead yeah he it also says to the soccer ball kid yep you're exactly. dead and then the next time he sees him he's dead yep exactly and then you know you've got red on you and then he literally does end up with red on him with blood all over him i think one of the best yeah. examples of that is that first scene well it's not the first scene but one of the early scenes in the flick where sean leaves his apartment and he kind of walks across a couple of streets of the town there, and we see him just cross the street, and we see, you know, a guy washing his car, and we see a guy out there begging for change, and cars on the sidewalk, and all this kind of yeah. stuff, and the, the guy in the little quick stop market. And then later on, as the zombie infestation has started to really kind of take hold, he they replay that entire scene, but now you're in it's got like you're in the fucking upside down. You're in this different world where Yeah. Everything's, everything's off. like chaotic, yeah. And it's so rad, man. There is so much of that in this flick. And that's what I really like about these movies too, is it it warrants repeat viewing. Whereas there's so many flicks out there. You know, especially a lot of horror comedy kind of things where it's like you watch it once and you're, you know, you've had about enough of it, really. Like like Killer Clowns or something like that. Like, yeah, that's, uh-huh. that's a one time watch um, in my book, of course. But yeah, no, I agree with you in this in this flick and a lot of the other ones. There is a lot of stuff that warrants a repeat watch because there, like you said, there is so much foreshadowing and just little little inside lines and stuff that tie it all together. Yeah, there there is one particular line. That occurs um, right after Liz breaks up with Sean and they're mm-hmm. in the bar, Sean and Ed drinking. And Ed says this, and um, I'm going to give you the interpretation that Edgar Wright gave on the commentary, basically. I didn't watch the commentary. Uh, uh, well, I, I didn't either. I just read this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so Ed says, first thing tomorrow, we'll have a Bloody Mary, grab a bite at the king's head, have a couple at the little princess, stagger back, stab the monkey, then come back to the bar for shots. Oh. Now, Edgar, Edgar Wright says this is what that means. We'll have a Bloody Mary means kill the girl in the garden whose name is Mary. Yeah. Grab a bite at the king's head means go get Sean's stepfather, Phil, who then was bitten on his neck by a zombie. Yeah. Have a couple at the little princess. The couple equals Dave and Diane and little princess equals Liz. Stagger back. They impersonate zombies yeah. and stagger back. Stab the monkey. They He yells at Ed, who is the monkey. Yeah, impersonates being a monkey, orangutan uh-huh. or whatever, yeah. Then come back to the bar for shots. And that is all the shooting that goes on in the Winchester. That's fucking awesome. And, and it's like you said, it, it would be so easy to make that a very contrived overworked obvious on the nose kind of fucking thing right like they like they could have had a line where after he yells at ed and stuff where ed is like well you really stabbed the monkey there like (laughs) yeah exactly like oh god really but no like you're so cool brewster yeah exactly the payoff (laughs) the payoff is thinking about it not being told what it is and that's it's awesome that's really cool. And it's stuff like that that really makes this movie so fucking good. And the balance in this flick of the of the humor versus the, you know, if you want to call it drama or horror elements, mm-hmm. I think is is really really ex- exceptional because it's not like a completely slapstick silly 
zombie movie like it could have been it, no. would, it would have been very easy for this to be a very silly flick but man there's there's so much shit in this movie where it really gets it really gets very real and i think what? that part of the reason that it becomes so real to us is actually because of the humor and that seems so strange to think that something can be more dramatic yeah. because it's humorous but i think that it's the fact that these characters are so well fleshed out with their sense of humor and levity and stuff, just like all of us are in real life, that allows us to connect with them. Because whenever you watch yeah. a flick where everybody's a fucking hard-ass bad guy, you know, hardcore stoic son of a bitch, it's like nobody can connect with that because probably if you're sitting down watching this flick, you're probably not like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're. Yeah, the type of person who is that doesn't sit and watch movies yeah exactly <laughs> I mean. but but whenever you watch a flick like this where there's hardcore crazy shit going on but it's happening to people that have inside jokes with their friends and they cut up with each other and they have little catchphrases that they use with each other and shit like that well that's just like us so it makes it yeah. so much easier to connect whenever something dramatic happens or whenever a character is lost or whenever Something crazy happens, like when dude, you know, turns the gun on Sean and tries to shoot it, but it's not loaded. Like, that shit gets really real, because humor fleshes out any character in a movie. It's as simple as that, because all of us are humorous in some form or another. Um, yeah. And so I think or have by, some sense of humor. Yeah, exactly. So I think by adding that element in, but not making it, you know, to like trauma level of just fucking silly... It makes these characters so much more believable and it makes us connect with them so much more than we would if they were all hard-ass motherfuckers, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it, this movie, it has the humor to, I guess, like, it catches you off guard then when something horrific happens. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It also This movie also starts with relationship problems. Like, it doesn't start with a joke. It doesn't start with horror. It starts with relationship issues. True. Throughout what we're dealing with is basically that Sean is afraid of growing up. And he, in a way, what he's afraid of is becoming like everyone else. Mm -hmm. He thinks he'll be a zombie if he grows up. He'll yeah. be like... He'll be like his stepfather, or he'll be like Pete. Right. He'll be this unfun zombie. Yes. Okay, that's interesting. That ties in with another observation I had about the flick. I'll get to that in a second. And also, he will do anything he can to keep his girlfriend. Yeah. Now, when I say he'll do anything he can, I mean, like, he'll promise to do anything he can, but then he'll hang out with Ed, and it'll all fall to shit yeah uh but he he's really he wants to be dedicated to her he obviously is trying to change and the thing that um an, another instance of basically everything being described by something in the movie uh he writes when he's super drunk later he writes on his dry erase board on the refrigerator uh go see mom uh go go see liz get 
uh, shit together or get life together or something like yeah. that. And that's exactly what he does in the movie. <laughs> like, he goes to see them, and then he's working on getting his life together. And really, by that, like, what happens is when he's thrown into a life-or-death situation, he realizes that everything matters and that people matter to him. Yeah. Like, he he changes his perspective. He becomes less apathetic. And that kind of goes back to what you are saying, is there's so much stuff in this movie that sets up the shot and then spikes the ball doesn't it yes exactly like i don't think there's a wasted line or a wasted shot or anything in here like it's all uh -uh. it all comes back and it all plays in but you know what you were talking about a second ago about him fearing his stepdad and fearing pete and stuff goes back to something that i i noticed especially this time when i watched the flick because this is this is damn the millionth time that i've watched this movie i've seen it a million times Um, but this time something that really stood out to me in particular is how much how much more scared Sean is of humans than he is of zombies. Yeah, he there's he has a real comical sense about him when he's dealing with zombies. Yeah. And when he's dealing with humans, he's uh, I don't know, like he he doesn't want to be him full his full self, like even with Ed, like, he wants to tell Ed, like, these things are important to me. I yeah. want you to, like, respect them. And he never even tells that. So, like, he's real bad at communicating. Well, the thing about it is, is with the zombies, it's very easy to deal with. Like, actually, yeah, zombies you just are... kill them. Exactly. Zombies are much easier to deal with than human beings. Because with a zombie, it's like, oh, they want to destroy us and eat our brains and shit. It's easy, knock him out. Like the 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 scene where this is the most apparent is whenever he goes to kill his stepdad because he expects to go over to his mom's house and to find his stepdad there as a complete zombie, and so he yeah. he's sneaking up in there with the cricket bat and uh, his stepdad played by Bill Nye who is just fucking amazing in everything he ever does. Yeah, uh, he's sitting there in the chair and Sean is rolling in super confident, just ready to fucking whack him with that cricket bat, but. The minute that he's like, hello, Sean, he instantly falls apart and is just like, oh, God, he's like, he's so much less equipped to deal with a human being with a full range of emotions and responses and motivations and all this stuff than he is with a zombie, which I think is really interesting because really you think about a zombie as being this fucking life ending, you know, imminent apocalypse threat and it's like actually they're yeah. easier to deal with than humans you just kill them it's one dimensional uh, yeah but the human beings are what he has a problem with same with Pete like whenever he is dealing with Pete and he thinks um, well you know earlier in the movie whenever Pete is still a human uh-huh. he's terrified of him and even in that scene where they're at the bottom of the stairwell thinking that Pete might be a zombie but might not be uh, Sean is obviously very scared of him. Yeah. And then actually later in the movie, whenever Pete comes back as a zombie, Sean is no longer scared of him anymore. He knows how to deal with him. And I think that's that kind of goes back to what you're saying about the growing up element of this flick is it's so much easier to deal with these one dimensional animals, villains, monsters, whatever you want to call them, than it is with a human being that has a complete range of emotions and so on. I think that's something that really jumped out about it uh, this time whenever I watched the flick. Is that something that you've noticed before? 
No, I yeah, hearing all this is is making a million times yeah. sense to me. Like I I was just thinking of like there's the moment when he's trying like he's the assistant manager or the se- he's the senior person yeah. at work. He's scared of that seventeen he, year old dude. Yeah, like he he's he's obviously scared of Noel, the seventeen year old, and he he says to him, you know, I understand. I got things I want to do with my life. And Noel says, when? I love that and line right there. That fucking hits hard, like, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, that's exactly what I wrote was that hits home. Like, it's yeah. just like, oh, right. <laughs> when? Like, okay. Like, I have these ideas and things I want to do. Like, when, when is the, that happening? Because that 17-year-old, he's already dead. He's already done. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to, yeah. To him, it's like this is life. This is what I do. Uh, when are you ever gonna do anything if you haven't done it by now? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh man, it's cold. It's also um, evident, and I want to talk more about Yvonne later, but it's evident when he meets Yvonne the first time. Yeah, and this is this is early on when he's leaving work and he meets her and in the background someone has died at a steering wheel and like there's a lot of comedy in the fact that they're not paying attention to it but i actually just noticed that for the first time whenever i watched it the uh actually last night is that that shit's going on in the background of their conversation i don't know how yeah. i missed that before it's so funny but like she she says oh i just bought a house and he says bought and like that's exactly what i thought when she said it this time watching it was bought like what (laughs) how you just bought a house is that legal yeah (laughs) like and so like she she has her shit together now this is a reference to spaced where they live together as roommates and they're both fuck-ups but it's also just a reference to the fact that like he sees her and the moment he sees her there's like this sort of relief like oh yvonne and then the moment she starts talking about how she just bought a house, he again like tenses up. Yeah, he bec- he becomes less capable to communicate. So like he's he's not able to function in an adult world. And I don't say adult as a positive thing. Uh, I I don't think there's some major positive to just you know being the nine to five type of person who goes to work makes money and and lives your life yeah but there's not a negative i don't think you're doing anything wrong by doing it i'm just saying like you know for me and for a lot of people artists out there maybe that's not the type of life we'll ever live but uh, it's it's a good life i mean that's that's exactly what you see him sort of envying in her and uh i guess being mad about somewhat with his stepdad is that like it's this day-to-day life sure but it, it's it's rewarding and there's a lot there you get to spend your life with a person and, and build something whereas he he feels like you know that's zombie life mm-hmm if you look at what he does, which is play video games, go to a shit job, and get drunk every night, that's a zombie life. Wow, like, yeah, that that that's true. Yeah, like what he is doing is actually more automated and less thoughtful, right? Yeah, and th- and that's what we we do see from the opening to what I would say is the 
the the the close really of the movie hmm. is that in the opening Liz is telling him I can't do this anymore like she has seen a way out of this zombie life and she wants something better and at the point where he gets that is where they're sitting on the little you know elevator thing in the the cellar of the bar and he says basically the same thing like you know what uh basically he says like what sort of stupid fucking plan was this go to the winchester like what what are we gonna do from here like he comes to that realization like this is a dead end yeah like this we're not improving nothing is changing it's just this forever and i'm not happy with it damn and then and then the happiness comes from just being with liz and again when she describes what they're gonna do that day not much different from what they were already doing before when it was him and ed Mm -hmm. but now it's him and her and they're building a life and something is happening it's not just people passing time it's people being together and and trying to build something i like that point that you made about his lifestyle basically being very very zombie-like and thoughtless in a lot of ways though because really even if i recall uh remind me if i have uh vodka brain right now but (laughs) if i recall i think one of the first things that we see in the flick of him is him like shuffling across the carpet like a zombie and then like yawning like like a zombie would so even our yeah, introduction exactly. to Sean is very zombie-like. Like, I remember the first time I watched this, I was like, oh, shit, is this a zombie already in the movie? Uh-huh. Now that, that makes complete sense. That's really interesting. Yeah, and then that that's what happens is he shuffles his way to the store, etc. Yeah. And then we see that scene later where there are zombies in the background and nothing is different. Like, he is a zombie in those moments. He He's no different. They don't react to him even if you pay attention when he goes to the yeah. store and he's walking back. Shit, they don't you're react right. to him. Yeah, because even later in the movie when they like impersonate zombies by acting like him and stuff and they don't react. Yeah, you're right. Because he's walking through the streets and there are zombies and shit, but they're not reacting because he is just going through the motions the same as they are. Yeah. That's fucking rad. I had not thought about that, man. Yeah, and uh, the the real fun part I think about all the the way that they did this is that you see stuff happening in the background like up to this particular point. Oh yeah, dude! Like anytime somebody flicks on a TV or anything like that. Yeah, but it's not until he, uh, Sean, and Ed are sitting in the bar, and Ed says it's not the end of the world and right when he says it's not the end of the world uh, a zombie comes up to the window and like hits the window yeah yeah and then they walk out and in the background you see that couple that was making out before now the dude's head falls off which is awesome and then they're they're singing and a guy is like oh in the the alley like he's a zombie it really is initiated right at that point where it says it's not the end of the world and it in fact is the end of the world right. <laughs> and like like that's it's a this perfect correlation between that feeling of being dumped and somebody saying it's not the end of the world it's like yeah but it feels like it and in this case it's like in reality like there is this real end of the world scenario wow yeah, that's that's a great point. And it's like they don't even notice the 
the zombies, like the people making out and the guy going, because they just think they're fucking drunk or whatever like them. Yeah. They just assume everybody is like them, which is exactly how zombies work. Wow. They're a herd of people that are all assuming they're all the same. Damn it. God, that's good shit, man. That's really good shit. And it's like so many other flicks that people look at as being superior zombie movies to this don't have that kind of shit in them. Yeah, that's true. Like, uh, and, and you can tell because the, the Romero zombie movies are that deep. They do have a lot of depth to them, especially Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead. Sure. But a lot of zombie movies made during that time were these just stupid, like, like, I mean, Return of the Living Dead, I love as a movie, but it's, it's not, it's not a movie that sticks with you. It's not a movie that's like, oh man, that really taught me something about the human condition. It's just a movie <laughs> about zombies. Yeah. Um, so like what this movie does that I think is real interesting and doesn't like all that stuff I said about 28 days later and, and, and things leading up to this point, it's obvious that Shaun of the Dead didn't take those things into account. Mm-hmm. Shaun of the Dead was working off an older idea of the zombie and trying to really parse out what made the Romero zombies so fucking awesome. And I, th- I think they really caught it with the characters and like even the tension between Shaun and David... Mm-hmm. It's like it's it's very much like in Night of the Living Dead between, um, gosh, can't remember their names. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Same here. Yeah. yeah, very much so. It really, really is. And that's the thing too that I think sets this movie apart from so many other zombie flicks, including those that are very uh, well acclaimed and stuff. Is the quality of of the acting involved in this flick, man, is fantastic oh, man. because we see... Yeah, it's it's out of control. Yeah, oh, and, and we see so many characters in this movie that can go from making us laugh to making us really feel just absolute existential dread. I mean, when Sean has to kill his own mom and the amount... Oh, man. Dude, the amount of just, like, you know, torment and struggle and shit that he's going through there, and, uh, you know, apparently after they filmed that scene where he shot his mom, like, they were really, you know, on on set, like, crying, like, really upset and shit. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things, man, that you always hear it, and if you've ever tried to do any kind of acting yourself, you understand, but doing humor is way harder than doing drama. Making somebody laugh is so much harder than making somebody cry. So when you're dealing with actors who can bring levity to a subject like zombies, they definitely have the chops to pull off some dramatic shit too. And, And I'll be honest, like the first time that I watched this movie, which was probably, I mean, damn, you said this came out, what, 2004? Is that right? Yeah. So I probably watched it shortly after it hit video. I think it's one of those that Brandon Suttles recommend that we watch. So I want to say that we watched that with him. I was initially I was initially a little bit set back by the dramatic elements of the movie because I think that I just wanted it to be really funny uh, the whole way through. Yeah. So whenever the movie kind of gets real towards the end of the flick... Um, I think that I was like, oh, this took too much of a turn whenever I first saw it. But 
now, you know, now that I've watched more zombie flicks and stuff, I hadn't watched a lot of zombie flicks or horror flicks back then. Now that I'm a little bit more educated in the area, I can really appreciate what this movie does when it does take those more dramatic turns. And like I said, really gets real because it's really amazing for a flick to take you on that kind of roller coaster. And as horror movie fans, you know, we're typically treated to, you know, whoever will play the role for the lowest price, you know, the the actor that's starving to make a name for themselves will be in this horror movie because they're cheap. Yeah. Um, so this is one of those one of those rare flicks where yeah, it's a horror movie that has incredible actors in it, and that's something you only get treated to when you watch, you know, like let's say The Shining or a Poltergeist or or something like that, where right you're talking about huge budget fucking Hollywood whatever, where they can hire real ass actors and real ass directors and stuff like that. Um, nobody in this movie is like a damn A list Hollywood actor especially back then. Uh, yeah. So this is a These real are, treat, yeah. a real rarity to see a horror movie with relatively small name actors who can act the absolute shit out of it, whether it's something funny or something dramatic that happens later on. What do you think about the balance of humor and drama in this flick? Do you think it's too skewed one way or the other? Do you think it works? So when you think about the humor in this film, a lot of it is just people being funny and people are funny. Like there are groups of friends that are funny. A lot of the humor has to do with a minimalized reaction to uh, a zombie apocalypse, mm-hmm. which is exactly the type of reaction you would actually expect to happen. If a zombie apocalypse happened, people yeah. would be, they would be at least a bit, I, I don't know, skeptical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, or uh, as is with uh, his mom, like a little shocked. You know, there, there's shock, there's skepticism, there's, you know, this feeling that we don't know everything so like how are we reacting this way and 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 so people are going to react in a funny manner so the the humor blends well but i think that this is a dramatic horror film sure with funny people like i i think that the drama and the comedy are balanced well but when i think of this it's it's less of a comedy to me because the story is so affecting and it has so much humanity to it yeah. and so much realness that I, you know, uh, despite the fact that the end is positive, it's, it's still a dramatic horror movie. Yeah. And, and again, I think that the... I think that the humorous elements and comedic elements of the characters bring us into that even more. And if you want... If you want more proof of that, kind of like what we were talking about last week on our Lost Boys episode, it's like, look at look at Stranger Things and look at it, the new it, that mm-hmm. is. It's like the fact yeah. that those characters are humorous and endearing to us makes them all the more real to us, because that's just how humans are. Like, Yeah, people are just funny. Yeah. People are real, like... Exactly. If you if you can't connect with the characters and if there is no humor up to a point like it's a different 
type of movie for sure, but it's also less likely to be effective. Like there are certainly say, I don't know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I don't know if there's much humor in it, but there are, there are moments of levity. There are certainly moments where everyone's happier. Yeah. And, and things like that. Same which as is Poltergeist what, as well. Yeah. It's what draws you in and then makes the horror more real. Yeah, exactly. Because when you see a bunch of stoic, hard-ass people, you don't relate to that. You don't go, yeah, this is no. how life is. Hard-ass. <laughs> Boy, I love being mad about shit. Yeah, ah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Which, you know, even, uh, again, not at all trying to trying to drag it down or anything, but... um. You know, even even much louded zombie flicks like Day of the Dead, uh, uh-huh. which is awesome. Yeah. Fucking awesome. But it's like, it is so stoic and serious and stuff that you can't really connect to it on the same it's level. It's very grim. Yeah. Very, 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 very much so, man, that you can't yeah. really connect to it on the same way. So, yeah, I'm with you. I, I do think that this is ultimately a very human, very dramatic story, but the the humor to it only makes it only makes it more so. And what do you think about the gore elements of this flick? Because any zombie flick has to have some great kills yeah. and great juice and gore and shit in it. There, There is one effect that is obviously not um, a practical effect, and that is when the girl Mary in the backyard uh, gets pushed and lands on a... A pole oh yeah and then comes up and has that hole through her and right. that's obviously some sort of green screening stuff mm-hmm. but everything else seems to be makeup effects and what i noticed was one the makeup effects are good but two there it's not extremely gory for a film there's blood throughout mm-hmm. there are bites throughout but the one very gory scene I can think of is when David gets pulled through the window and then pulled apart. Which is very Day of the Dead, yeah. It's, yeah, and it's awesome. It's a great scene. But up to that, it, it was nothing like that. There is nothing even close to that. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. You, you see some zombies in various states of decomposition. You see bites and spraying blood and stuff like that, but... Overall, it's 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 not too bad, and a lot of it's pretty subtle too. Like whenever, um, whenever they're you know Sean Sean and them are in the garden and they're uh, beating the two zombies that were in there, you know Mary yeah. and, the, and the guy zombie there, they're beating on them, uh-huh. and it's like you see just kind of a spray, a light spray of blood hitting their shirts. It's nothing ridiculous. Like it's not like there's fucking buckets of blood or anything like that. A lot of the gore is pretty. I think pretty realistic, you know. So yeah, to speak. it looks great. I mean, the even David being pulled apart, and it is very Day of the Dead, but it it still looks good. Like mm-hmm. they actually rip all his limbs apart in his head, and his his fake head looks pretty good. It's, yeah, it does. it's pretty convincing. I'm so glad they did that practical too, because it would have been easy to do that CGI. But they and it would look like shit oh, now. <laughs> man, it would just ruin it. So I'm really glad that they. That they did it that way. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think that the gore in the flick is well used and not completely overdone. Very much like the uh-huh. soundtrack of the movie, too, which I find... Oh, man. Oh, dude. Yeah. Uh, to me, so you, fun. You can tell when people love a movie they're working on by what they put into the soundtrack. Um, even, like, at the very first of the movie when it plays that, that Ghost Town song... 
I had yeah. ne- I had mm-hmm. never heard that that song before, but it's like now anytime I hear that, anytime it pops up on a playlist, I'm like instantly in Shaun of the Dead. And even like later on yeah. in the flick when they're beating on the bartender and it's playing yeah, like, the Don't queen, Stop Me yeah. Now. Oh, that's so good. So good. Yeah, that that queen is so fucking perfect. And also like I love that they cut to the side and we see oh what what is her roommate's name? Uh, the girl from the office. Oh, yeah. Ah, she was it. dating David. I can't remember her name for some reason. I can't either. Jen, maybe? Yeah, I think uh, so. She, she and the mom are off to the side, and it shows them, and they're, like, moving their shoulders to the beat yeah. of the song. Like, I love it. It's, it's just that type of song that, like, it, like it, it's such a good joke, is that the song is so good that it wouldn't matter what situation you were in, you would still sort of move to the beat of it. Like, yep. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, like, they're they're beating the guy to the beat of the song. <laughs> it's, it's so perfect. Now, you mentioned uh, earlier in the early in the podcast here about Yvonne. Yvonne. You, you had some ideas All about right. her. I want to hear about this because that's a character I hadn't really invested much thought into up until now. Okay. So Yvonne is, uh, I think, in a way... Yvonne is supposed to represent um, the character from Spaced, the same character that that actress played in Space. Okay. And what we're supposed to see here is that through the past few years, he hasn't changed from his character in Spaced, who is just basically getting by on a retail job or whatever and doing drugs and, and drinking. She has changed. And she has this boyfriend. He is just broken up with his girlfriend. He rents a house that he still is in the same place that he was in in college, basically. Um, She's buying a house now. What we see at about midway of the movie is we see him and her run into each other, and they basically have the same group of people oh yeah like gang each of, like, person gangers yeah yeah each person looks the same he's going one way she's going the other in the end she saves him with the army at her back basically there is a second movie going on about yvonne yeah I like that is that. boring it's a boring movie like it, it wouldn't be interesting to watch because uh, yvonne is successful I bet all the people in her group worked together because they were all holding weapons when they met and no, nobody in his group, in Sean's group, was holding weapons. Like, I bet her group all worked together. They worked to a common goal and they they picked a place to go that would actually get them saved. Mm-hmm. And that's why they were going the opposite direction at about midway of the movie. And the movie would have been her discovering that they're all right and we're all good people. And that's not a, that's not an interesting movie. Yeah. But it is this obvious interesting story that's going on in the background of Shaun of the Dead is that he could have a friend. He could even be the friend who was the fuck up at some point and turned their life around and decided like I don't I'm not gonna be that person anymore he does that in this movie we watch him come to that point but she's already come to that point and she shows us exactly what would happen if this was Sean of the dead and Sean wasn't a fuck up at the beginning right he would he would go he would save his mom he would save his friends 
and they would find uh, the, you know, the army and everything would be great. Wow, that's pretty rad. And again, that's background that I didn't have having never having never watched yeah. that show. But that's kind of cool subtext that you could take out of that, huh? Yeah, absolutely. And like the the thing is every everybody in England is an actor, obviously, because all of the uh, British shows that I watch, um I I just keep seeing the same people over and over. Oh yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I just have to assume all of our our uh listeners right now from from England um are probably saying like, yeah, I mean, I was in that movie, sure. <laughs> Bill Nahi, we know you're listening. You're the best. Yeah. But th- this movie is seriously filled with great actors that are just like they're in so many things that you love um harriet jones sean's mom harriet jones mp flydell north that's not the actress's name that's her name from doctor who i don't know the (laughs) actress's name i love that she says that like every time she introduces herself it's the best yeah it's amazing but she's also isabel crawley from uh downtown abbey like you see all these people and it's like i know these people like even um you know again i can't remember her name david's girlfriend yeah yeah. who is from the office uh the british office she plays uh etta candy in wonder woman like they're all still acting no way is that her in wonder woman yeah it is no shit it absolutely is like all of these people are in so many things before this and after this that you will love like just sit down with the Shaun of the Dead (laughs) cast list uh, and start going through their stuff Uh, Peter Serafinowicz the uh, aka the voice of Darth Maul he's he's in so much great stuff he's also the current tick in the new Amazon Wait, tick. Wait, who is he in, in Sean? Pete. No way. That's the voice of Darth Maul? Yeah. You um, gotta be kidding me. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's badass. And it makes me so pleased, too, to see that Simon Pegg has enjoyed, you know, uh, yeah. Hollywood America success with, like, being in Star yeah. Trek, his bones and shit like that. I hope... I hope that he and Edgar Wright will get back together and make something again because, like, it, I mean, he I love him in Star Trek. I love him uh, in the Mission Impossible movies. Like, I don't think those are great movies particularly, but he's great in them. Oh, yeah. But, like, he, he is best, I think, in these movies. Also, Paul. He was really good in the movie he and Paul's Nick Frost awesome. are together. I Paul. like that guy yeah. in pretty much everything that he's been in, so it's made me happy to see what kind of success he has enjoyed uh, since, you know, these early Edgar Wright flicks in his TV career and stuff. Yeah, and um, Jessica Hines, who... I, I don't know what happened because, like I, like, I really do think just the way I was saying, like, they're... Um, stories intersect Yvonne and Sean I I also wonder because like Jessica Hines she was a, like the co-writer of Spaced with um, Simon Pegg and I, I just wonder like what happened did she not pursue the level of career that he did or was she just 
left behind because she's not like the typical Hollywood body type because hmm. she's hilarious. Yeah. She's a great writer, obviously. Like I I've seen her in a ton of stuff. I'm not even pretending she's not in stuff, but she obviously didn't get the same opportunities that Simon Pegg did. Like she she's still hilarious and she still has a successful career but why isn't the spotlight on her as well like she yeah i've got no idea she could have been bigger i i would feel and of course bill nighy has been in a million things ranging from fucking love actually to pirates of the caribbean and underworld yeah. and and everything else and i think that guy is just fucking awesome i love him in this flick too where he's like i run it under a cold tap <laughs> and I'll tell you, yeah. I, I'm trying to remember if if this movie, I can't I can't remember if it was maybe the source of all of of all of my fucking stepdad fixation, where he's like, he's not my dad, he's my stepdad. Like I can't remember <laughs> if I got that from this movie or if yeah. if I watched this movie and I was like, this is the same shit that I say. Like I really. I can't clearly remember which came first. If it was this or, or, you know, me and all the stepdad shit that I'm always joking around about. I really don't know. I get my stepdad shit from having a bad stepdad. Like, <laughs> is that, is that not how you got your, like, I don't, I really don't know. I mean, you know, my stepdad, I think did vote for Trump, which I think is very, very, oh, very yeah. bad, but that's been much, you know, much more recent than my, my stepdad thing. The stepdad thing in this is is pretty interesting because um, Simon Pegg, he he has a stepdad and he took his stepdad's last name. Oh, so like it seems like he might have a positive relationship with his stepdad. And this is sort of a a joking play out of, of something or maybe I don't know, like uh, generally, though, I think. You know, most stepdads are probably good peeps, right? I hope so. I definitely hope so, man. Mm -hmm. My own stepdad uh, embarrassed me by wearing a um, uh, Confederate flag skull cap. Um, <laughs> he also smoked four packs of cigarettes a day and God got damn. a, got a, uh, a tattoo of a tiger. I mean, that that all sounds like stepdad shit to me. Yeah, oh, and then also when my mom wanted to divorce him, he just disappeared. Oh. Because apparently in the state of Tennessee, you can't easily get a divorce from someone if they refuse to appear in court. Sick. So, that's fun. <laughs> well, Steve, you know, this this movie to me is a is an absolute blast and a real... Yeah. You know, it, it is simultaneously an homage to zombie and horror flicks and it is also a parody of zombie and horror flicks in a lot of ways but because of the quality of everything that's going on ends up being so much more than that I'd, I'd like to know your final thoughts on this flick and a rating I want you to rate this on a scale of 1 with a maximum of 10 hit me a maximum okay well uh, as far as zombie movies goes, zombies, zombies movies, zombies, zombie, as far as zombies movies goes, <laughs> um, as far as zombie movies go, um, this is 
exactly what you want. Yeah. I mean, you want to see people banding together to fight zombies. You want to see uh, internal struggles. You want to see you want to see issues between the people, etc. But you also want to see some good zombie deaths, and we get that from this. And I, I think in the end, this has the best script of any zombie movie ever made. Yeah. It may not have the best zombie action, but the best script, the best characters, and some of the best acting in any zombie movie ever made. Yeah. It it is uh as far as the directing goes, amazing. The music is awesome. I have no problems with this movie. I can't find a flaw with it. I would call myself a cockicidal maniac when it comes <laughs> to this movie. Um I'm going to give this just uh, a, a pure 100% a 10. You know, I, I can't really disagree with you in any way there. I do think that this is also probably about the finest acted zombie flick that, that I could possibly think of. Because, uh, again, as I've said many times, life has humor in it. You know, no matter yeah. what the situation, humor makes everything better, and humans will yeah. always find a way to interject a little levity into any situation that they're in. So I think that this injection of humor in this flick is kind of the, the missing ingredient in a whole lot of other zombie movies that could have made them more relatable and more humanized and so forth. So I do think that the injection of comedy into this, while still keeping it serious and dramatic, and like you said, having some really... Uh, really big epic you know emotional moments and stuff in this flick i think that it just makes it all the better overall and i think that having comedic actors on board makes the dramatic parts that much better because if you can make somebody laugh you can make somebody cry with half the effort so oh yeah i think mm -hmm. this movie benefits tremendously by having comedic actors on board unforgettable soundtrack um wonderful cinematography, great script, great characters. Oh my God. Every character in this flick has a great fleshed out personality, characteristic dialogue, uh, linguistic habits, everything. Everything in this movie is yeah. so well fleshed out in a genre that is typically infested with characters that are as mindless and cookie cutter and emotionless as the zombies themselves, which they are fighting. It's really, it's really wonderful. Um, if I could complain about anything, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have minded if there was a little bit more gore in the flick. Like, yeah, that would have been fine by me. Like, I, I didn't watch the movie and immediately go, man, where was all the fucking blood? Like, <laughs> it's fine. It's got, it's got plenty, but maybe they could have squeezed in a little bit more, even in a comedic sort of way, just to make it ridiculous. Um, even, even hot fuzz has some outrageously gory shit in there that works very well, even in a comedic way. So I'm okay with a little bit of, you know, extra blood and guts being added in. So I think that's about the only thing that I could complain about, about this movie, but Overall, I love it, and I really do feel like every time that I watch it, I, I dig it more. It is one of the finest examples that we have ever seen of a of a zombie flick and what that would really be like in a real-life scenario. So I'm totally with you, man. It's a motherfucking 10 out of 10. I I love, I love this movie, man. It's fantastic. Um, 
there is one thing that I hadn't mentioned up to this point yeah. that I want to say right now, which is I think a deep and interesting joke. At one point, Ed says, what's up, my N-words? He doesn't say the N-word. True. He says the N-word. He doesn't say N-word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then later, when <laughs> when David says zombie, he says, we're not saying the Z-word. I think that is a really? connected joke. Yeah, I think that's a connected joke. I anyway. Noticed that. Um, <laughs> oh, awesome. he says we're not saying the Z word. I apologize. Lift, bumbershoot, uh, flat, etc. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm the gap. I don't know. I'm trying to appeal to our uh, listeners in Letchworth. Our, um, our lobster listeners. Yeah. Dead and lobster. Dead and lobster. <laughs> <laughs> That's when what we it tour is. England on our live tour, it'll be called Dead and Lobster. Oh man, dude. If we could ever do that, if we could ever fucking tour this. That would podcast, be awesome. Yeah, I would love that. That um, would be the best of all time, man. Wow, that's that's funny. I had not caught that joke before. That's hilarious. So Ben, I'm I actually legitimately excited to find out what we're covering next week. I, if you didn't hear last week, we're not telling each other for these two weeks what yeah. we're doing. So I'm for the first time hearing what we're doing next week. Well, you know, Steve, I was kind of thinking with this being the month of December. Yeah. Which is to say the month of Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. Where some of us. Not all of us. I don't think either of us. No. Celebrate the birth of a of a Christ child. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. one the one who was born into this world to die for our sins and do magic tricks and. Oh, well, he does those magic tricks. He's yeah. like wine. I got wine. Got it. Fish. Everybody. <laughs> in a month fish everybody <laughs> fish everybody that's a said. great shirt i want that uh, <laughs> in the month <laughs> where we're supposed to be celebrating his his birth here i thought what would be better than to watch and review a flick which celebrates the birth of the enemy of the christ oh, no. child Oh, let's hear it. I'm talking about none other than the motherfucking Omen. Oh, shit. Which I love. I love so much. I love the Omen, man. I watched this movie for the first time years and years and years ago, having no idea what it was about. And I love it. One of my favorite things, and I, I really think it's all because I grew up Christian and stuff, but uh-huh. one of my favorite things is horror movies that go straight to the satanic like a house of the devil or an exorcist (laughs) or the omen they are fun and and they're not like as prevalent as they should be the devils is also another example of that which is a fucking incredible flick yeah Uh, there should be more movies that go straight to the sacrilegious because i find that is just some effective fucking shit to write a movie out of so the omen i'm talking about the original i'm talking i'm not talking about the newer you know Nearly shot by shot remake with Julia of Styles or Aleve Schreiber, either way. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Which well, is Sabretooth himself. <laughs> yeah, Sabretooth himself. Actually, I think of him as Arnold from Mixed Nuts, is what I think of him as. <laughs> I hope you've seen Mixed Nuts. Have you seen Mixed Nuts? I haven't. God damn. It is the most. Is un- it awesome? Dude, it's the most underrated Christmas movie of all time. 
Okay. It is. Dude, we'll okay. That Listen, this movie, it's a Christmas movie. Uh-huh. Steve Martin's a main character. Okay. It also has um it also has a really young Adam Sandler. Okay. When he was still like funny. Uh-huh. It has Elise Schreiber. It also has motherfucking Madeline Kahn, one of the most brilliant Hell yeah. female comedians of all time, in one of my favorite yeah. roles that she's ever done. Flames. It's, dude. Flames. Oh. Off the side of my face. I love Madeline Kahn. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> Mixed Nuts is amazing. But yeah, it has Lee Schreiber in it, who is in the Omen remake, which we won't be covering, but we will be covering the original, the Omen. That's a long backtrack. Next week <laughs> on Dead and Lobster Podcast. That's us, Dead and Lobster. Steve, in the meantime, where can they reach us and recommend us some movies to watch and uh, leave us some feedback and shit like that? Well, Dead and Lobster wasn't available, but you can always email us at deadandlovelypod at gmail.com or find us at deadlovelypod on Twitter and Instagram. Mm -hmm. We also have an awesome Facebook group of awesome folks. Yep, we do indeed. You guys can find me over on the Instagrams and the Twitters at Ben Eller Guitars, all one word, Ben Eller, and then more than one guitar, Guitars. Where can they find you, Stephen with a V? <laughs> uh, you can find me at Stephen Spratling, Stephen with a V, the only way to spell it. Just look for me. Honestly... You know what? Don't look for me on any of the crime blogs, though. Am I right, guys? <laughs> well, in the meantime, we have been dead, and you guys have been absolutely lovely. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to go on iTunes, rate, and review this podcast. It really means more to us than you know. If you just go on iTunes, give us a high rating, and a simple review, as long as it's G-rated, otherwise they will not post it, uh, really helps us out a lot on showing up on people's searches, top 10 lists, all that kind of shit like that. So please go on iTunes. It only takes a second to rate and review this show. We would really, really appreciate it. Uh, you guys stay tuned for The Omen next week, and we will catch up with you guys then. I hope you guys are having a simply lovely Christmas time. This is Uncle Ben <laughs> signing off. <laughs> You've got red on you. Bye. <laughs>